Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. continuing our, our series that we're doing entitled Jesus Is. We're talking about different attributes of Jesus that are unchanging. Um, these are the things about uh, Jesus that always have been, that still are, and always will be. And they're the things that we can hold on to, that we can rely on, that we can, we can trust um, in good times and bad. And uh, the kind of the title, the, the main part about Jesus that we're talking about today um, is the idea that Jesus is the good shepherd. Um, Jesus is the good shepherd. And so to kind of get us rolling into that, uh, we have a, a testimony video uh, from Debbie Porsche. And so I'm going to let her kind of get us started. And so if you guys wouldn't mind um, checking out what she has to say, and then I'll come back up and <laughs> close us out when she finishes preaching to us. Go ahead. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. My name is Debbie Porsche, and I want to share a part of my testimony with you this morning. In John 10, we are introduced to Jesus as the Good Shepherd. In verse 27, we find a simple verse. It is where Jesus says of himself, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I love that sandwiched in between his sheep listening to his voice and following him, he said, I know them. Being known is one of the greatest needs that we have as humans. Recognizing the voice of someone you love is a treasure. Though I have not heard my mom's voice in years, there is no doubt that I would recognize it in a second. It would bring joy to my heart, and it would bring pain to my heart, as I still miss her every single day. When my mom was still alive, she and I would talk on the phone multiple times a day. She would be my traveling companion as I went back and forth from Kingsport to Johnson City for my job. If I did not answer the phone and she left a message, she would always start her message with something like this. Debbie, this is your mother. When I would listen to these words, I would roll my eyes and smile wondering why she felt, the felt it necessary to identify herself. She had this super southern Mississippi accent that was unmatched by anyone else I knew. I knew her voice. I had listened to it for years. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My experience as a Christian is this. To listen to the voice of God, I must listen for His voice. As a young Bible college student, one of my teachers said, God speaks to you every day. 
He let those words hang in the air before going on to say, but you do not always hear him. We drown out his voice with, you fill in the blank. I wanted to hear God's voice. I wanted to know what he was saying, and I wanted to follow him. I just did not know how. The stories I will tell you this morning are times that I did listen to God, though sometimes it was a struggle for me to follow. Peppered among these stories in my life are times when I did not listen. There are far too many to mention, and times when I did listen, but I did not follow. There are times that his voice has been loud, warning me of danger, calm as he has stilled my troubled heart, firm as he gave me instruction, and quiet as he was near. Let me say also that I have never heard the audible voice of God. My sheep listen for my voice. I know them and they follow me. Joey and I visited High Fall Gorge near Lake Placid, New York several years ago. This place is awesome. There are wooden decks and walkways built over the mighty rushing river. The sound of the water is so loud. As I stood there listening, I could only think of the words of the psalmist that said, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. And in his temple all cry, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. I stood there and I listened for the voice of the Lord. I did not hear words. What I did hear was the voice of one who is so powerful, so majestic, so mighty. And it dawned on me that the one who sits enthroned upon the flood was God, the same God who so loved us and sent us Jesus. I do not remember saying glory, but I do remember my knees trembling in awe of one so great. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There was a lady in our church that I had a disagreement with. It's not this church. She thought she was right and I'm sure that I was. We had words more than once, harsh words, words that harmed each other. Our words did not bring resolve to the issue only resentment for one another that grew each time we saw each other in church. This bothered me for a while, but before long I buried my offense with the busyness of my life, and all was well. We were not bosom buddies anyway, so why did it matter? It didn't matter, until a Sunday morning when we were having communion. The scripture was read, Whoever eats and drinks the cup of the Lord in a wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body and blood of the Lord. So let each individual evaluate his own attitude, and only then eat the bread and drink the cup. Why did her name keep running through my mind? Or was it running through my heart? 
My stubborn pride opted that morning to not take communion. I went to see one of the elders and his wife looking for resolve. After talking and praying with them and them not joining my cause, I agreed that I was going to pray about going to the offender and to make an effort to make things right. The elder's wife told me that she would check up on me and see how things were going. Have you ever said you were going to pray about something, but you already knew the answer? This week I read in the Gospel according to a Facebook post, It is hard to hear God's voice when you have already decided what you want to hear. In keeping with my word, I prayed. I asked the Lord one morning, What would you like for me to do about this offense? Quiet. That's exactly what I thought. Nothing. But the pause that was there was to steady my heart for what he was about to say. I will meet you at her feet with a basin and a towel. At her feet? When I was a kid, my job in the evening was rubbing desitin ointment in my dad's feet that had been stuffed into his work boots all day long. For the record, he had showered prior to this task, but it did not make my job any more desirable. And as a result, I hated feet. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. With all due respect, God, if you knew me, you would know that I do not do feet. A visit from the elder's wife came to check on the progress. I told her that I prayed. I told her what I thought I heard, but was suddenly doubting this because of the feet issue. She encouraged me to follow through, and while standing there talking with her, a car came over the hill driven by my offender. The elder's wife was sure that this was a perfect time to follow the instructions that I had heard. I told her that it was not a good time because my kids were due home from school at any minute and I did not want them to come to an empty house. She offered to stay and take care of my kids until I got home. She encouraged me to call and see if this was a good time. I called. She said yes. I thought if things go well that I would come back and get the basin and the towel. The elder's wife insisted that I bring it with me. At her, apartment build, at her apartment building, there was a foyer that you have to walk through to get to her door. So very carefully, I tucked the basin and the towel away, giving God space to change his mind. I knocked on her door. Once inside, she and I argued with one another. I knew with every word that I, what I needed to do. I needed to do what Jesus said. I took a deep breath and spit out these words. Can I ask you one more question? She spit back, what? I said, can I wash your feet? Silence. The look on her face told me that there was a problem. Unknown to me, the offender didn't do feet either. One of her feet was deformed. For me to wash her feet meant that she would have to remove her shoes, exposing her feet. The atmosphere in the room changed immediately. 
This was a big ask from God for both of us for different reasons. She started to remove her shoes. I went to prepare the basin. Washing feet, a task for the lowliest of servants. Yet I remembered hearing a story about this many times. He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had wrapped around him. As I washed her feet, I began to pray for her and she for me. We ask forgiveness from one another, and we ask forgiveness from God. True to his word, he met me at her feet with a basin and a towel. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Every day God speaks to us, but not every day do we hear him. We drown him out with, you fill in the blank. These were the words from my college teacher. Throughout my listening and following, throughout being known by the Good Shepherd, I have found that what I hear from him is always found in his word. He may bring it to mind in a crisis. He may remind me in moments of doubt. I may have an aha moment during the morning devotions, or he speaks to me, or he may speak through me to a friend. I may not know what translation it came from, and I certainly don't know the address, but with the help of my Bible app, I can usually find it. Let me challenge you with this. For years, I heard the Bible in sermons, read bits of it in devotions and Bible studies, read it to my children in stories at night, but I wanted more. With the new year approaching, I got a read the Bible through in a year plan, and I was going to do it. I read along to an audio version for the first year. I needed that for my wandering mind. I read along the second year and the third, and now 13 years and 13 translations later, I can tell you this is how I know best how to listen and to follow Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture for it is God-breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to, make, to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Listen to him. Find out just how much he knows about you. Follow him. I hope you took notes from what she said, because it's downhill from here. Um, so Jesus is the good shepherd, um, and he speaks to us. And we either hear him or we don't. We either listen to him or we don't. We respond to him or we don't. We follow him or we don't, right? Um, I, have a, uh, I have a sheepdog. Well, she's a sheepadoodle, but part sheepdog, part poodle. So I thought it was going to be really, really cool to, I had this whole plan to open up this whole message, my whole first part had to do with, I was going to actually bring, her name's Maylee. I was going to bring Maylee on stage with me this morning. And I was going to do this whole thing. I had this really cool, awesome plan of having her like do some tricks and do some things. And um, I was going to like tell her to do things and she was going to like listen to me, hopefully. And I was going to like have other people tell her to do stuff and she wasn't going to listen to them, hopefully. And it was going to be this whole, I had this beautiful 
beginning of a message is going to be laughter and, 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 and fun and engaging. And we're going to talk about how it relates to the way that we hear the voice of God. And I was talking to my wife about that last night <laughs> and my, my seven-year-old. I was like, hey, um, can you guys bring uh, Maylee to, to church with you tomorrow? Because I want to use her in my sermon. And she, and she turned me down. She said, Nathan, whoa, 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 whoa. Your plan is to bring our very disobedient, horrible, terrible dog onto the stage in church, in the middle of church? That's a bad idea. I was like, what? No, it's not. And then my seven-year-old, who's her, her forever her hype man, was like, listen. He said something to the form of, he gets very serious sometimes. He says, listen, you've done a lot of crazy things when you preach sometimes, but bringing Maylee on stage with you is crossing the line and it's a bad idea. <laughs> I said, like, oh, okay. So I don't have Maylee with me. And so I, my whole plan got just, cr- I mean, my, my, my family, and they were right. They crashed and burned it. But don't fear, because not only do I have a sheepdog, I also have another son, and his name is Shepherd. So I am armed with all sorts of things for, to preach about the good shepherd. And Steve, I, I know that we maybe didn't plan to do this earlier, but if you could bring up my picture of little shepherd at the beach, that would be cool. This is shepherd. Um, last time I, I had a, a chance to, to speak, um, some of you guys got to meet shepherd for the first time. Um, he just turned one a few weeks, two weeks ago. And so this is, this is what a shepherd looks like, in case you guys are wondering. This is a modern-day shepherd. He is, um, he, my, so my wife calls him um, a Sour Patch Kid. You ever, you've seen like the commercials, like at first they're sour and then they're sweet. Like they're terrible, but very awesome. That's him. He, is the, he can be the worst and then he can be just the greatest. I just call him a sinner. <laughs> He's just a sinner, man. He's he is getting to that age where he's just he's getting bad. I don't, all my parents in the room hope maybe you've experienced this, unless you have perfect kids. I don't. Um, he's getting to that age where he does the 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 stuff that makes you think like, oh, this is this is not going to go well in a few weeks, months, years. Um, he, he's, he'll throw the food that he doesn't want, you know, and he'll, uh, and he'll throw his arm away from me. The other day I was trying to help him walk to another room and he was like, hold, literally like holding on to the door frame cause he didn't want to go. And I was like, what is this? You're supposed to be one, not three. Um, so he's, he's, a, he's a lot to handle, but he just started daycare. Uh, well, not just our, but a few months ago, we started daycare for the first time. And daycare is an interesting thing. Um, I've never felt more judged without being judged than when I take my kid to daycare. The, the, the ladies who keep him um, are, are wonderful and very sweet and have never said a single bad thing to me ever. But I, I just put a lot of unneeded pressure on myself that when I take him to daycare, I feel like they're judging me, even though they're not, that I'm a bad parent. Um, and so I'm always like, trying to make sure that I've got 13 pairs of clothes in his bag and healthy foods that I never actually feed him. But So they're like, wow, he didn't eat the strawberries. I'm like, oh, I wonder why. <laughs> That's weird. He always eats the strawberries. Um, and so it's been like a weird dynamic where I'm like trying to pretend like I've really got it together because I just feel like I need to. Um, but one of the weird dynamics that happens is when I come and pick him up, 
So I'll, when, every day when I come and pick him up, usually, if, depending on when you get there, there's a little bit of a line. So there's other parents there and you can see him, but he doesn't know you're there and you're kind of waiting and the other parents are picking up their kids and kind of talking, they leave and then the next person comes up. And I'm, so I can see him and he's in there and he's playing and he's doing his own thing, whatever. And other, another parent will come up and talk, talk to the, the kid that they're picking up, talk to the teacher, and he doesn't pay them a bit of mind. He's just doing his thing. Next parent will come up, talk, doesn't pay them a bit of mind doing his thing. And then I come up and it doesn't matter whether I'm talking to him or talking to the teacher, but as soon as he hears my voice, it's game time. One of two things is going to happen. One, he's going to turn big smile and he is going to speed crawl towards me, reach, start going, ah, ah, ah. Lights from heavens begin to shine down. Music starts to come from the background. And the teachers look at me like, you must be a wonderful dad. He must love you so much. That happens about 20% of the time. The other 80% of the time, he hears my voice, looks at me, and immediately starts to cry. And I mean like bawling, just and I, and I just feel this weird need like to like convince the teacher like, hey, I promise I'm not like abusive or anything. Like it's this really weird dynamic. And like I said, they're, they're awesome ladies. They're, they're like, hey, no, it's, it's totally fun. And they're like, no, he's just, he, he's tired and he doesn't know what to do with his emotions, blah, blah, blah. This is totally normal. Like they're like comforting me. I'm like, yeah, my kid hates me. I don't know. But regardless of his reaction, when he hears dad's voice, he responds good, bad, ugly, he definitely responds. He recognizes, oh, that's dad, right? Um, very different than when he hears the voice of any other parent, any other stranger. And there's something that like goes on in his brain when he hears me that's very different than everybody else. And so that's, I, I wanna just spend, and I'm, I, I promise it's gonna be, I, I know that everybody says this every Sunday, but it's actually very, very brief. I just wanna zoom in very, very briefly on what happens when we talk about hearing the voice of the Lord, that one moment when we hear the voice, what triggers in our brain? That, just that, that little bitty connection point of what happens when we hear that voice and why does it happen? Um, so I wanna zoom in very specifically as, as Debbie just talked about hearing the voice of the Lord, what happens in our brains when we hear that voice? When Shepherd hears my voice, something triggers. When we hear the voice of God, something triggers. What is it and why does that happen? So, so Bibles, Bible apps open to John 10. I'm gonna read through um, the main section in John 10. There's a lot here. This is where he talks about being the good shepherd. Um, so there's so much stuff about that he mentions here about being a shepherd. Um, this is one of those topics that, and you've probably gone through series, multiple series of talking about Jesus as a shepherd. I could, uh, you know, we could preach for weeks, months, years on just the, this topic. Um, so there's a lot here. I'm not going to be focusing on nearly all of it, but I do want to at least read through um, what Jesus says about himself so that we have good context. Um, and so we're going to be in John 10. I'm just going to start at, at verse one, and I'm going to read through some of the things that he says here. Um, so, oh gosh, woo, that was almost bad, <laughs> almost fell. Wow, did you see that? Where's Stephen today? Oh, dadgummit. 
He's out there. He's supposed to be in here saying amen and stuff. All right, um, John 10. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door um, or by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came, all, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out to find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay, my, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have, authority to, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. All right. So, um, so again, a lot of good stuff there about Jesus being the good shepherd. I just want to focus in just, just really, really closely on this idea of like, hey, when Jesus talks, when, when, when he has words for us to hear, what goes on in our, in our head? Because I think the way that we perceive the shepherd, the way that we think about what is being said to us by God um, is going to change how we respond right? The way that we view the shepherd is going to completely change how we respond to him. If we see him as a good shepherd, we are going to then obey, follow, or at least attempt to obey, follow, and respond in a positive way. If we see him as a false shepherd, as a, as a stranger, as a, as a wolf, as anything else, just like shepherd and these other, just like my shepherd and other parents, we're just going to kind of ignore it. We're, we're going to have nothing to do with it. Um, so, so the way that we see Jesus affects the way that we respond to Jesus. Um, I, I, I promise I'm not going to go too psychological here, um, but but the first thing I think that that I want to point out to the, is the fact that um, when Jesus says that I am the good shepherd, one of the things that makes him good is that he knows the sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Um, let's see. Let me pull up my verses again. Uh, check out verse 14, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. 
I, I saw this. I saw this video when I was kind of putting things together. It was really funny. It was um, it, basically it was like there's there's a bunch of there's a, a, a pasture of sheep, and these random people were attempting to call the sheep. Which it was funny because th- nobody knew how to call sheep. We all know what sheep say, right? Bah, bah. But if I was like, "Hey, there's a group of sheep. Go do a sheep call," <laughs> you'd be like, "A sheep call? Uh, uh, here, sheepy, sheepy, sheepy." I don't know. So they were doing all these like weird. They're like, like one lady goes up, she's like, "Ducky, ducky, ducky, ducky." Another lady goes up, she's like, "Oh." Like they don't know what they're doing. So, and they were like laughing and the sheep are just eating. Like the sheep have nothing to do with what, what they're, they're like. These are fools. The sheep are just keep eating. And then the shepherd walks up, right? The shepherd walks up and he does his weird, crazy call. And it's crazy. Immediately the sheep were like, whoop. And then they like, look up. He keeps calling. And then they, they don't walk. They run. They take off running to the shepherd. Like, and then they're, and they're like basically like attacking him, like kind of like running into him. like And it's very cool because you're like, oh yeah, they definitely know that guy. But the thing that's going on in their brain there is that they're realizing they've been conditioned over time that, hey, that guy, that guy is special. That guy is different. The voice that I'm hearing is connected to a shepherd who feeds me right? Who protects me. If, if that, that, that means food, that means good, that means survival. And, and so the, the thing that's going on in their brain is they're connecting it to somebody that they know. I know that shepherd. And the word know that, that's used here in the passage when it says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It's not just like an intellectual know. Um, it actually means like to understand. It's like a relational no. It's an intimate no. Like I don't just have like factual knowledge. Like I understand you. I, I, I have an, an understanding of who you are and what you're about. And so the sheep, when they hear the shepherd, they understand what the shepherd is about because they've experienced over time, like, oh, that's, that's the guy who feeds me, right? The, the crazy lady yelling out like, Dougie, Dougie. like she, she doesn't feed me. That guy does. I understand him. I know him. So the sheep know the shepherd. My intellectuals out there might point out, but Nathan, you're, the, the, the premise here is not that the sheep know the shepherd. The premise is that the shepherd knows the sheep. yes. But isn't the coolest thing to know about the shepherd is the fact that the shepherd knows the sheep? Track me. If you really know the shepherd, if we really know God, we get to know Jesus, we get to start having a relationship with Jesus. One of the coolest things that we start to learn about him and realize about him is that he, as big and powerful and cool as he is, knows us, chooses very much chooses of his own volition to know us, to have an, a personal, intimate relationship with us. How cool, <laughs> right? He, like, he, as the good shepherd, doesn't have to be the good shepherd. He doesn't have to be a shepherd at all. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't need the sheep. He doesn't need me at all. He can do anything he wants, but he chooses to hang out with me in the fields. Um, so he, because he enjoys that relationship. It's not that cool that I want to have a relationship with God because he's pretty awesome, but it's really cool that he wants to have a relationship with me. And so I think that I, I'm, I know I'm kind of up here in the clouds a little bit, but I, the, the tangible takeaway, I think is just a, a simple encouragement of the fact that, hey, it's pretty neat that, that 
we ha- we're hearing the voice of God because that tells me that this really cool God wants to talk to me. And we can take comfort in the fact that when he does speak to us, he's not just speaking to us in like a very vague general term of like, he speaks to all of his people. No, no, no. He's talking to you individually because he, know, he, he says in one of these verses, he knows you by name. He knows who you are. He knows you, not just you plural, but you specific. Um, he loves you. He knows you. And his plans are specifically for you. When he calls you to do something, when he calls you, like Debbie was talking in her testimony, like she, she felt like, like God had a specific calling for her to do. This was not something that he was saying everybody should do this. No, no, he had a specific calling just for Debbie. And how neat is that? You know, that, um, that God has specifically planned awesome things for each of us individually. That, that's encouraging, I hope, right? So there's, there's your encouragement that the, that the good shepherd knows the sheep. Um, the, the second thing is that the good, the good shepherd, he fights for his sheep. Dude, shepherds were crazy. Shepherds were nuts. Um, whenever I think of biblical shepherds, unfortunately, uh, sometimes uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is either like old decrepit, like leper guy, you know, who's like, can't even hardly walk. So he's a shepherd. Or I think of like kind of meek, mild, nice guy. I wanted to do like Google images where I showed you like like sweet, happy shepherd and old decrepit shepherd. Um, but I couldn't find anything that I really liked. So, and I just didn't, but that's what comes to my mind. When I think of a biblical shepherd, I just think of like either like old decrepit guy who can like barely stand, or I think like, um, like just very sweet guy who just loves to pet his sheep or whatever. And he's just like, oh, I just love sheep. But the reality is when we talk about shepherds in, in scripture, like these dudes were, these dudes were crazy. Um, they were constantly, you know, like fighting lions. They were fighting lions. What? That's nuts. They fought lions. There's a, there's a passage in um, Isaiah. It's in Isaiah. And it, it kind of indicates the idea that if there were, if a town were to get attacked by lions, they would call the shepherds to come defend them. <laughs> Think about that. It's like, hey, we, we're being attacked by lions. We need the manliest of men, the best of the best. Where's the shepherds at? Right? Um, uh, because like, that's what they do. They, they defend the, their herds from, from lions. From, they would, there's, there's stuff in here about fighting against wolves and fighting against bears and all these like, crazy things. In Amos, there, there's a, a, a thing that's mentioned about how if you lost a sheep, you had to bring back proof that it like got eaten by an animal. And so there's a, a thing in there about how like a shepherd would have to go into the mouth of the lion and retrieve like bones of a sheep and bring it back. It's like this, like, oh, the lion killed my sheep. I'm just going to run. No, no, I'm, he killed my sheep. So I'm going to go kill it. And then I'm going to get out bones of my, like, that's, that's not like old decrepit stuff. That's not sweet, mild stuff. That's like manly man, like raw stuff. Kill lions, right? So when I say this, I just think of like, Jesus is the good shepherd. It says um, in verses, again, I've got to find all of my, there's just a lot of verses here. In verse 11, and what we just read, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for his sheep. I'm going to fight for my sheep. I'm going to defend my sheep to the point of death. I'm willing to lay down my life. The, the word life here 
I'm not, uh, the Greeks do weird things to us. They trick us all the time. They, there's all these words for life. It's annoying. Um, you would expect to see words that I can't remember that I looked up earlier this week. Um, that w- one of them is like zoos. It's like this is where we get zoology from. And it's like this idea of like biological life. The other word would be like bios like your physical life. We would expect that to see those words. But the word that they use for life instead is the Greek word suke, suke, which is like the word for soul. So when he says like, I lay down my life, it's not just like I lay down my physical life, my biological life. It's not, it's, it's not, it's deeper than that. It's I lay down my entire soul, the, the fullness of who I am, Every, my entire identity is all about defending and protecting these sheep. The shepherds, that's what they were. They were shepherds. They weren't even like really part of society, right? Like that's who they were to the core was just, I'm just exist to protect my sheep no matter what. So when, when Jesus talks to us, the person talking to us is the person who's committed his entirety of his life to protecting and fighting for us. Yes, he, he physically laid down his life for us. He, he you know, dies on the cross. He, he mentions that, right? Like I lay down my life and I have the authority to take it back. But it's not just that he lays down his biological, physical life. He lays down his entire being for us. Like the entire being of who Jesus is, like his entire identity is, I exist to love you, my sheep. And so he he goes and he fights for us. This really cool, powerful fighter, warrior, shepherd guy who fights for us out of choice. Again, encouragement. My, my, my hope here is that you leave encouraged knowing that like Jesus is, has been, still is, always will be a good shepherd who knows you, chooses to know you even though he doesn't have to, fights for you even though he doesn't have to, he gives of his entire suke for you, even though he doesn't have to. Um, his entire being is all about laying it down for you. And that's good news. Um, uh, Francis Chan, who is a very emotional pastor guy who is, is good, and I, and I like him. He was, I was listening to him talk about how he was like, you know, if I, if I really viewed myself as a sheep, um, I would love to go through the valley of the shadow of death because that would mean I get to watch Jesus fight. And that would be awesome, right? I love action movies, fighting and all that kind of, like, I'm, I love that kind of thing. It's like, oh, Valley of the Shadow of Death, there's a lot of bad guys in there. I can't wait to watch Jesus fight for me. I can't wait to see what he does. I can't wait to see how he fights these battles. Oh, this is gonna be so cool. Now that's crazy faith, right? Because that's saying, hey, I can't wait to go through difficult times because I have so much faith in the fact that my Jesus is going to fight for me. I'm not, I don't have that kind of faith personally, but I like that idea of, hey, if we really have a good perception of who Jesus is, then when he speaks to us, then the voice that we're hearing is the voice of the guy who we, we know he's gonna go fight our battles, right? We know that he's gonna go out as a warrior to fight battles for us. And that's pretty cool. Um, our time's kind of running down. And so the last thing I wanted to mention, and it's kind of an odd one to, to finish on, but I wanted to mention this, is that um, Jesus is the good shepherd. He, he provides for us. 
Um, he knows us and, and he fights for us and those are encouraging. Um, but he, in general, he provides for us. Good shepherds provide for their sheep, yeah? Um, uh, where's our verses? I should write these down at some point. John 10.10. 10. We've, many of us have heard this before. The thief comes to still kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Um, I think the intention, God's intention for us is that we have an abundant life. The shepherd's intention for the sheep is that they have a good, abundant life. He wants to take them to the greenest of pastures. He wants them to have the best of the best. Um, and that's, that's what Jesus wants for us. But the trap is, I, I was talking with, I had the chance to meet with the, um, the sermon planning committee that Joel meets with each week to kind of talk through some things. And I was really caught up on this idea because as encouraging as it is that Jesus knows us and fights for us and all of these things, it's just hard to like stand on a stage and tell people that like Jesus is such an awesome Jesus who fights your battles when the reality is like life still is bad. Like life is still hard. Um, and, and he says, like, I'm here to give you life more abundantly. But then it's like, well, wait a minute. I look at my life and I'm like, this, this, there's a lot in my life that doesn't feel abundant. Um, and it's really hard for me at, a lot of times to understand how those things go together. How can you have a true good shepherd? How can this be true? What we're saying that Jesus is a good shepherd who fights for us, protects us, provides for us, and gives us life that's abundant how can that be true? And at the same time, we deal with the things that we're dealing with, right? I, I have a hard time with that balance. Joel mentioned that last week a little bit, that, that there are times where we deal with some of these like doubts, when we deal with some of these issues that we face where um, it's, it's difficult to make sense of. And I, all week long, I've been really struggling with like trying to answer that question. And I decided not to. I decided I can't. I decided there's not really a good answer. I've, I've actually, in the past, if you've been around for a while, I've, I've, I've preached entire messages around the idea of like how to respond to God in difficult times. So I've attempted it before. I've attempted this multiple times to try and explain how, how can Jesus be a good shepherd who wants to give us abundant life, but at the same time, I'm dealing with X. How can these things both be true? And it's difficult. And so I, I think that the, the fair thing to, to leave you with is that, yeah, it is difficult. Um, Joel, last week, I really appreciated the fact that he, um, he mentioned that. He said, hey, the, God's not afraid of your doubts. He's not afraid of your questions. He encourages you to, to reach out to him with those, to fight along with those. Um, and so I encourage you to do the same things. You know, if, if hearing talk about like Jesus being a good shepherd who fights for us and protects us is difficult because you're like, wait a minute, but my life is terrible. <laughs> my life is not abundant. Um, I, think, I think God's not afraid of those doubts. I think that my encouragement to you, I, I don't have answers for you, but I encourage you to continue fighting for answers because I do the same thing, right? Because I, I find myself constantly fighting for those answers as well. Um, I think we just have to find the right definition of abundance. When he says, I've come to bring you life and bring you life more abundantly, I think we have to understand what does that word abundantly really mean? 
um, MK, if you want to come on up, uh, we're just, we're not going to close with a song or anything. We're just going to have a time of reflection. And um, Steve, if you could put that last picture up of the, the family with the baby. So um, I, uh, I, I've mentioned to you guys before, part of my narrative, my, sto- my family story, we went through uh, um, two miscarriages um, before Shepherd, and it, which was a very difficult time for us. And, um, and then we had a, a Shepherd, which is super awesome. And um, uh, when Shepherd was born, he was born with a, a true knot in his cord. And so it was kind of one of those very like miraculous moments of like, wow, like he, he should have probably died. Um, and God protected us. God fighted, fought these battles for us. And um, it, it's been an awesome year for us. Um, these are my, my good friends, Jeff and Becca, and um, their narrative is, is similar. Jeff is a youth pastor at Fort Robinson here in, in Kingsport. They uh, also went through a miscarriage, and they got, um, were, 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 got pregnant again, and they found out about halfway through their pregnancy that their son, Elias, um, didn't develop all of his organs properly, and um, they were going to have to carry him full term, knowing that he was only going to be able to live for about, um, he was only going to be able to live for about two hours. And so, um, this is, this is Elias. And, um, this is a year ago, uh, a little under a year ago. And they had to, so they, not only did they have to go through the pregnancy, you know, knowing that this was going to happen, um, you know, for Becca to feel the kicking and um, knowing that, you know, their son wasn't going to live um, and to deal with that and then to continue to have to deal with that, even, you know, after the fact is difficult. And it's, it's tough because, you know, these, these are amazing friends of ours and, and they're amazing people and and I look at our narrative, um, and put that picture of Shepherd back up real quick. And I look at the way that, you know, that, that God has blessed me so much with my beautiful baby. And, um, and I don't take it for granted. I'm thankful every moment that I get to spend with the little guy. And I know that, but I also know that like, they don't, they don't get that. And, I know they're not alone. I know that there's other people who experience similar tragedies. And so when Jesus says, hey, I'm the good shepherd, I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. That's hard because it's hard for me to look at at these two pictures and, and understand how could these possibly be, how can this be life more abundantly, right? Like I can, I can make sense of this. I can understand like, hey, yeah, Stephanie and I went through some dark valleys and difficult times through our miscarriages, and, but Jesus was, was there with us and got us through it and then provided for us. And now it's so abundant and beautiful and, and, and amazing. Like that makes sense to me. Um, Jeff, Jeff and Becca's narrative doesn't, doesn't make as much sense, right? I don't like that one as much. And so I, I had asked them if I could mention that. Um, and, uh, and they said I could. And, and I just want to kind of leave you with um, my friend Jeff's quote. I, I, I literally wrote, just typed this up. This is what he said to me yesterday when, um, 
I said, hey, I, I want to mention this tomorrow if that's okay with you. He was like, please do, that's fine. Um, I said, I want to be a good steward of it. How would you like me to explain your all's stance on this? And he said, well, tell them, <laughs> tell them it's not fun. I'm like, yeah, of course. Here's what he said, and I'll just kind of leave us with this. He says, we put so much weight in God's provision in the here and now, but scripture doesn't talk about that. We are foreshadowing paradise. His original intention was to have all, the, all of our provisions met, but we messed it up. But we can talk about hard things because we understand that he was faithful on the cross. So we know that he will be faithful in eternity. Our shepherd was faithful on the cross. Our shepherd has been faithful over and over and over again. He's, he's, never, he's never failed us. Bad things have happened, but he himself has never failed us. And because he was faithful on the cross, because he laid down his life for us, because he chose to know us and to love us and to provide for us and protect us and fight for us, then we know that we can trust that in eternity, that things will be made perfect again. And when he says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, yeah, abundant may not equal happy, all the time. Um, and abundant may not equal exactly what we want right now, but abundance, we have to understand, is bigger and better because we're the sheep. We're just little sheep. We don't get it. It's bigger than this. And he's been faithful and he says it's going to get better and so all we have to do is trust that it's going to get better, right? And so my encouragement to you is that these things that we talked about today are true. Be encouraged that Jesus is the good shepherd, that he fights for us, that he knows us, that he provides for us. My challenge for us is to recognize that things are not always easy. But when things are not, just because things are not easy does not mean that Jesus is not true. And those are the times when we can hold on to that faith and knowing that because he's been faithful, he will continue to be so. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.